If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 420, man, of the Severe MMA Podcast. My name is Sean Sheen, a.k.a. Shawnee Podcast, the pod god, the most cocky man in MMA, judging Sean Sheen, as we take another look at the world of mixed martial arts. You know, we always do it every week here, and we're going to do it again. I'm joined by um, the Pep Guardiola of Irish MMA Media, Graham McDonald, as we, uh, yeah, we, we delve into... MMA, as we always do. But before we get into all that mad MMA, Smooth Sack Summer is here. And if you haven't already heard, why haven't you heard? Uh, where you're playing in the summer sun, you need to be skipped from pubes to bum. That's right. This is the summer. They keep your balls cool while still looking hot with Manscaped. The leaders in below the waist grooming are making sure we all have a ball this summer by giving our pants partners everything they need to stay fresh. So dive head first into Smooth Sack Summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with our code SEVERE MMA and... It's, uh, do you know what? I had a, I had a good shave myself. Maybe, 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 maybe download. I know that needs to come. But uh, you know, when it's warm and rushing outside, you need it. You need it. Clean yourself up. And do you know what is best for that? The Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. It has absolutely everything. Starting off with off, starting off with the lawnmower uh, 4.0. Ah, lads, this is brilliant. It has that advanced skin safe technology, 7,000 RPM motor, on and off multifunction switch, travel lock, 4,000K LED light, the whole shebang, sure. Did I mention it's waterproof? Take it to the beach, the lake, the shower? Absolutely perfect for all of that. The liquid formulations as well. I actually just got new ones there over the last couple of weeks. I love them. They get you fresh for the barbecue. The Crop Preserver, absolutely brilliant. The Crop Reviver, fantastic as well. Then we have the Manscaped Boxers and the Shade Travel Bag, which were the two gifts with that Performance Package 4.0. What more do you need? Uh, but also, do you know what? I was using these today, the Shears 2.0. Because everyone, you know you're wearing flip-flops, you're going around like that. That's exactly what you need. But they have nail cutters, tweezers, and grooming scissors as well. And I'll tell you this for free, even though I'm getting paid. They are really, 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 really good. Honest to God, if you buy nothing else, buy that. The, the shears, 2.0, that package is exceptional, exceptional. So get that over at manscaped.com. And you're going to have 20% off plus free shipping on that. That's brilliant. The free shipping, I'd rather free shipping 20% off nearly. I hate paying for shipping. So if you can get the free shipping at manscaped.com with the co- uh, promo code SEVEREMMA, it's smooth sex. Summer boys, get on board and or get left behind also this podcast is brought to you by our awesome friends awesome absolutely awesome uh, over at caldera lab 
And you know what you need with a smooth sack? You need a smooth face as well. It's right around the corner is the summer, not the sack. Uh, the sun shines brighter. Your skin deserves the utmost attention. Unfortunately, and, and for, I didn't say unfortunately, I said and fortunately, our sponsors, Caldera Lab, are the men's, the leader in men's, uh, skincare, ensuring your skin is well prepared for the season ahead. Ever since uh, I incorporated a Calera Lab into my routine, well, I, I, honestly, I started with Calera Lab. Taking care of my skin has been even simpler with their clinically proven products. Uh, wrinkles, fine lines, and signs of aging. Uh, it's re- visibly reduced. All visibly uh, re- reduced. All of those things. You know, boosted confidence, impeccable first impression this summer. What more do you want? And you can get 20% off their products, their finest products, at caleralab.com with the promo code SEVEREMMA, C-A-L-D-E-R-A-L-A-B. Calera Labs, you know, if you don't know by now, they create high-performance men's skincare products by combining pharmaceutical-grade science along with nature's purest and most potent ingredients. Uh, the regimen leads their product line a twice a day routine to transform your skin but you'll also see the clean slate the base layer uh, and the good the clean the slate helps you start your day it's a balancing cleanser the base layer is a nutrient dense fortifying moisturizer that hydrates your skin and the good is the go-to before night clinically proven multifunctional serum that helps your skin look tighter and smoother I don't know why I put on an American accent but there you go um, so yeah they're absolutely brilliant Check them out. We want you to take your skincare to the next level with Caldera Lab. And you got to do that. The icon as well for around your eyes, absolutely brilliant. It's a rejuvenating eye serum. Takes away fine lines, uh, or helps anyway. Fine lines, dark circles, and puffiness committed to transparency, sustainability, and excellence. Calera Lab is on a mission to better men's skincare around the globe, priding itself on clean ingredients and doing right by their customers, just like here, us at Severe Meh. That was backwards. I sound like Yoda. Calera Lab is a certified B Corporation as well as member of the 1%. I've never watched Star Wars, actually. I don't, I don't want to act like I know who Yoda is and all that, but I did watch The Mandalorian, though. Anyway, uh, through upcoming uh, uncompromising craftsmanship, exceptional ingredients, and rigorous transparency, Calera Lab is here to upgrade your skin and confidence. So get 20% off with our code SEVEREMMA at calderalab.com. That's 20% off at calderalab.com by using the code SEVEREMMA. Elevate your skincare game. This summer with Caldera Lab. Right, Graham, uh, let's get straight into UFC 289, I suppose. And um, I was thinking as the co-main event ended, as we're going into the main event, we might have to update the the awards list here. This might be an event of the year uh, caliber event. I I really enjoyed it. Do you know what? I think I might have enjoyed it a little bit more. I got the uh, the projector out here in the the man cave slash office that has become over the last while. Um, For the first time in about... I don't know, maybe a year, maybe no, maybe six months. But uh, I was like, oh, this is great. It was like watching a film or something. <laughs> I, I enjoyed it. But it was a good card. It was a good card, to be fair. And then the main event happened. And it was... Were you not, you're not shitting all over the car there last week? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm only no, well, I did, but it, it delivered. It, it did, to be fair. No, like, it, I didn't, it wasn't a great card. I obviously, the top two fights were, were uh, uh, ones I was looking forward to, but uh, one of them delivered and the other one certainly did not. Uh, I thought it was a, a horrendous main event. And for, for 
one reason more than any, I suppose. And Aldana's tepid <laughs> performance. God Almighty, it was awful. I thought, like, yeah. Yeah, timid, usually scared. Like, I, I yeah. kind of mentioned it, like at the end of the analysis, being like, you know, this is a big, like, Amanda Nunes is a big test, big main event, title shot. Maybe the event will get to her. The moment will get to her. And it looked even before she got into the octagon that she didn't really want to be there. In my opinion, uh, I to be honest, I didn't notice that when John Annick said it. I was like, "Fair play to him for saying that." And do you know what? I give the commentary a lot of credit. I thought it was actually very good at the weekend. Um, they they called most of the fights pretty right, and I I think this one especially it takes it, it takes a bit of of gusto to actually shit all over the fight a little bit because when it's a fight as as bad as that, or and and to be fair to Nunes, she didn't fight badly or anything like that. But when one fighter just does not show up, when they fight so badly, so tepidly, give up their uh, opportunity, it's it's pretty hard to say that because you don't like saying anything bad about these fighters. They put a lot into it for very very little. But at the end of the day, as well, what's you know your job is to tell the truth. Your job is to call it as it is, whether it's them in the commentary uh, or us here. And more look, it's easier for us to do it here because you know the, everyone in the world is listening to him. There's only a few people listening to us who, who choose to uh, come in and listen to us, but. Um, at that aside, anyway, look, it was hard not to see the truth of that. What the way Aldana fought, it was, it was ridiculous. Like I think someone said it midway through the fight. It's like, and I, I think it was Paul Feller. You don't want to in this fight be sitting there afterwards and thinking, I just, I never fought. You know, I, I never started. I never, I never got going. And she really didn't. She landed one strike. In the first round, and it was nothing after yeah, that. Yeah, that, that strike in the first round, though, you thought, okay, now, you know, yeah. it's obviously not been going your way. Let's go kind of balls to the wall and go out in our shield here, or, or, you know, get a, an upset of the year KO or something. You know, you can't just slip back into the pattern of getting picked apart, uh, you know, at ease, basically, like in a, in a sparring match and just offering nothing. And, yeah, like, as they said on the commentary, it's a long way back to a title shot. Like, maybe it's a little less long now if, if um, Amanda Nunes' retirement uh, holds up, but. Yeah, you, I have to agree with the commentators there. You're going to look back that back on that chance in in a year's time and w- wonder what the hell you were thinking and what you were doing and yeah, uh, be very you know it'll be Dana White. You know he's probably not happy with that. He'd be probably have to be backed into a corner to give you another title shot after that. To be honest, I, I actually I haven't heard these comments yet because we're recording this very very early. But I doubt. Uh, now we we get into the retirement stuff in a minute, but maybe he didn't say much about it because of the retirement. But I doubt, as you kind of alluded to there. That he was uh, that he was too happy with it. Like my my thinking in it was right. If you're being very positive towards Irina, maybe you know two three rounds in, maybe you're thinking right. Okay, Amanda Nunes, we've seen in the past she's had issues uh, with not necessarily cardio, but you weather the storm, you come. And you go hard at her, and then she kind of wilts a little bit. It's happened, you know, two or three times in her career. Um, but there was a, a, a sequence, I think it was towards the end of the third round, where there was a bit of grappling and they both stood up. And I think Carmia said, oh, look, Aldana looks really tired. And she did. And, like, she was way more tired than Amanda Nunes. So, like, even if her plan was to tire out Nunes, don't do anything for the first uh, two, three, four rounds, and then come on late, it, 
it worked the opposite way because it was a sparring session for Nunes. It was literally just target practice. Like any of these fighters can do exactly what Nunes did there for 10 rounds. Absolutely no problem. They have to be pushed to the pin of their collar for that if there is a perceived cardio issue to actually come out. And it's it's less a cardio issue, I think, with Nunes. Maybe I, I explained it wrong. It's like a, a, I always use the phrase avalanche. Like if it goes against her, it'll kind of keep going against her. But it... Eldana did none of that. She didn't make it go against her. Apart from that, as I said again, that one punch, and I think it was maybe even a little bit overrated in the first round. There was there was just nothing. There was just nothing. And I, I'll run quickly through the fight, I suppose. There isn't there isn't much to my notes, but like in case anyone didn't see it. So I, the first round, we'll say it again. Nunes got a couple of easy takedowns and she actually kind of made a fool of her a little bit because she took her down and then didn't even go down. Just took her down and then stood up and like, okay, come on, we'll we'll fight again on the feet. It was it was like it was it was like big sister in her, like she was teeth. Kind of like uh, I kind of had the feeling of man, kind of like, okay, that's there if I need it. Like yeah. easily just take her down. Okay, it's good to know. And also, doing, do you know what we always talk about? Throw in a takedown so you make them think about it. And that, that's what she did as well. And like these um, high hands that. Uh, Aldana had from the very start she literally if you didn't see the fight she literally had like and I mean nearly literally her hands super glued onto her temples it was it was so odd like it was and I understand that okay you want to be defensive but there's no offense coming whatsoever and in Nunes was able to literally just go down pick up her leg and take her down whenever she wanted so that was <laughs> that was the first round basically the second round Aldana did did nothing like just nothing Nunes just picking her off more combos and got a late takedown again the third round Aldana started walking forward in the third round but landed zero Nunes got a takedown midway through hit her hard hit her very hard up, up until late won that round again the fourth round Aldana did land a bit more in the fourth round uh, but one good uh, right hand from uh, or, uh, sorry she landed a good right hand and then Nunes landed an elbow at the same time the, the commentary got a bit uh, confused on it and uh, to be fair they were right to be confused because they both did land at the same time but that was the other shot that, that Aldana landed but in after that it was all Nunes and the latter part of the fourth round was probably the best uh, part of the fight for her she got another takedown uh, opened up with strikes and I think it, they showed a stat at once that she landed 45 strikes in that round alone which was you know the stats the strikes don't tell you much but it, it, it shows you in that she's thrown a lot of strikes the fifth round just the takedown on top uh, saw it out and, and won pretty handily um on Nunez's performance, I, I think it's it's a tough one, and especially you now uh, she she retired afterwards. We'll, we'll we'll get to and we'll talk about it in a second. But uh, as someone who came in and picked Aldana on the way in and picked it based, uh, you know, very little off of actual Aldana itself, which I'm I'm kind of glad. Uh, but I picked it off of Nunez possibly being finished. Um, she didn't show any signs of that because she wasn't given reason to show any signs you know it was like a, it was like a testimonial or something in, in this so it's hard to know do you ever see like Paul Scholes or Steven Gerrard in those testimonials and they're like hitting balls far there like oh these lads could still do it you know because no one's getting near them and no, you know, no. And they haven't scored yet some lad will put in like a terrible tackle in the box to get away a penalty so yeah, they can get, like get gonna, the goal <laughs> yeah exactly that, that's what this is kind of like it was literally you know she was playing in soccer or something <laughs> 
<laughs> just people kind of Alana looking at her fighting. It was weird because, and so she did look good. Like it's it's hard to know if she could have been pushed to the pin of her collar if she would have wilted again. But there was there was literally like literally no moment of sign of that. From from Nunes herself, to be fair, but f- from her opponent pushing her to that, so it's impossible to know. But we have to give her credit for what she did. She made it hard for Nuna for Aldana to do anything because she was hitting her hard and she was deep in her the hole. But if she kind of just froze in front of Aldana, like and that does happen a lot, to be fair. Like even in we we talk about in soccer sometimes, like if there's someone just putting up this defensive plot in front of you, it's very hard to break that down sometimes. But Nunes did really well. She was picking off the areas she needed to pick off. As you know, we'll say it again: those takedowns, even though they didn't, you know, they didn't score. She didn't do much with them. She. St- Everyone still knew they were there, Aldan included, and they really helped her throughout the fight. They helped her to land those teeps. They helped her to to uh, you know get on top and win big portions of big rounds when she landed lots of shots. So it's very difficult to say anything bad about Nunes's performance. To be honest, she was uh, dominant from apart from two punches in the whole fight. One in the first, I said one in the fourth, but she landed one just as good as the one in the fourth at the same time and. Uh, it, yeah, it was it was a pretty easy performance. What did you think of her? Did like we spoken about her last two performances? That obviously the one, the second last one was horrendous. The last one I didn't think was great, but she did enough to get the win. Uh, hard to analyze last night in terms of high level aptitude, but she did look good. Graham, yeah, didn't she? yeah, she did. She did like you know she picked her apart. She did everything she needed. She paid it safe. She got her win bonus. Uh, she. Retired uh, on a win with the belts in the, in the cage. She seemed to have a planned out. You know, we kind of talked about whether she was still as hungry, whether her head was in it as much as before, and maybe the performance didn't show us that. But maybe the kind of immediate retirement afterwards kind of showed us that she she's not really as uh, as um, obsessed with this game, and you know, doesn't have the drive when you've already achieved all these things. As she said, you know, she's already kind of come from a small town and made the the American dream and you know one fulfilled all her all her dreams and she wants to go back and you know spend time with her family that she's missed and her her wife and kid and all that stuff so yeah maybe that was more of an indicator of of uh, where her head was at than the performance because it was so little coming back the other way like bar that one punch in the first round there was no there was like there was, she, she got hit a couple other times but there was no other there was no real danger at any at any time and she seemed happy to just you know take the win bonus take the win and sail off into retirement whether she'll stay retired or not is a, is another thing but uh, I I might I might actually believe this one yeah um, me too yeah. weirdly <laughs> from for us the belief for retirement when you come out with actual like plans and you yeah. have like you know it's not just a kind of spur of the moment thing or it's it's you know even though she's a you know she's not old for for a champion you know it's not like oh you need to retire or anything but it does seem like the kind of fire is gone even though you know obviously she she just dominated <laughs> at the at the very top level. So, yeah, I think I think I actually I think we might n- never see Amanda Nunes or might not see her for a long while anyway. Yeah, I it did seem real to me. It, you know, there's kind of two parts of it with Amanda Nunes. I think well, maybe multiple parts, but she has always seemed to be someone who you know, didn't live beyond her means. Like, if, if Sean O'Malley got into her uh, <laughs> her situation, I don't think he'd be returned. He'd kind of need to continue the fight, probably. But, or, or you, you know, maybe even Conor McGregor, and <laughs> or, or whoever it might be, you know. But 
it always felt like she was kind of planning for this day and that was that was smart and maybe because you know maybe because her partner is a fighter who isn't as successful maybe she was like well do you know what we need to be frugal about this because fighters have to be that way um and maybe that was a, a very good thing for her but also i think you know she's fallen out with her team over the last while she started her own kind of gym and uh it, it i don't know that it ever feel like she was fully in it from that point on now maybe i have that wrong but it it just it didn't seem anymore like she had the love for it she always seemed like someone who was very passionate and had the love for mma and and you know was it was all her whole life and it, it changed her life as you mentioned graham and everything like that and i felt like that did go a little bit towards the end and the, the other side of it then is as someone who's lived very frugally, she has had a litany of um, main events of championship fights. Like, I think John Ennick said it was 12 in a row or something like that, which, you know, the, we talk about the UFC pay all the time is, is pretty bad and it should be more. And she should, definitely should have gotten more. But she has got main event pay for that amount of fights. And if she was on pay-per-view points as well, sometimes we forget that, like, a couple of Amanda Nunes' fights were on big, big cards. Like, she headlined UFC 200, um, which did a lot. She was on UFC 196, McGregor versus Diaz, which did an awful lot. She was on UFC 239, a John Jones card. Actually, UFC 232 as well, another John Jones card. She was on Usman versus Covington as well, the, the one that did very, very well. So... She has been on some very... If she's pay-per-view points, now they don't all have it, but let, let's assume she does. That's a lot of money she, she has pulled in there out of that, plus all the main event money itself. You know, and Amanda Nunes is probably a lot richer than a lot of people think. And now, look, we always downplay fighter pain, as we should, and she should be a lot more rich than, than she actually is. But, you know, I'd say Amanda Nunes is, 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 uh, is not wanting for a penny. And you know what? I'm absolutely delighted for herself. And uh, as, as you mentioned, Graham, her family, she, she's one kid. I think they have another kid on the way as well. So it's absolutely, uh, absolutely fantastic and that this is what you want out of MMA like this is exactly what you want you know you start off your career you come into the UFC you've a, you know you, you lose in, in Invicta you have a tough time but you lose to Katzengana on what your your third UFC fight um and then you go on this unbelievable run and there's no doubt about it she is the greatest female fighter of all time not a doubt in the world there's, there's no one even close like Chris Cyborg is a great fighter Ronda Rousey we, we you know a lot of people maybe look at her negatively and very very unfairly uh, she's still an absolute all time great but Manda Nunes knocked out um, Chris Cyborg and Ronda Rousey in a combined 99 seconds combined <laughs> absolutely insane she just destroyed him she beat Holly home finished her like I, I I did it I had a tweet from a few years ago she's won uh, championship fights via knockout submission and technical five round decision she you know she's lost to Juliana Binia came back and beat her the next time it, it's a, a career that is is unmatched in the in the women's ranks and it'll take a lot I'm telling you to match it because like even someone like Shevchenko who's coming hard behind her you know she ended up losing too and no, maybe she could rescue it and come back and do it as well but it, it'll be very hard to overtake what Amanda Nunes has done and I don't think she will ever be forgotten by MMA fans for how good she was and you know uh, there was a couple of displays in there in the middle where she just got through them and maybe it wasn't the, her best night of all time all the time but then there was 
just the destructions, like uh, you know, the, the, the Rousey one, uh, especially. But the Chris Cyborg one I mentioned again, that was maybe my favorite fight of all time. I loved that fight because it was the number one and number two pound for pound fighters in the world going absolutely at it. You know, the, the when the Makachev um, Volkanovsky fight came up there a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago at this stage, you know, people were going like, oh, this is the first time ever. And then, like, there was a couple of people pointing out, no, yeah, actually, John Jones in DC, which I actually don't think it was. But anyway, but they forgot about this. How, like, how could you forget about Cyborg versus Nunes? And hopefully, people won't forget how great of a fight that was. And that, like, that should be inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame as a great fight, in my opinion. It was only f- 51 seconds, but it was, I think it was the greatest 51 seconds we've ever seen in the history. And, like, when we're talking about maybe, maybe this is a good one for uh, a career retrospective, it's Amanda Nunes, because God Almighty, you'll have, hardly ever get a career uh, as good as this again. Uh, it was it was phenomenal to look back on on that fight, but to look back on her whole career, you know, beat Valentina Shevchenko twice as well. Let's not forget the other person going for probably the greatest of all time in the UFC with her. So absolutely yeah, brilliant. Two way champion in the UFC. She's done it already. You know, there's no oh well, she should fight her again or her again. Like obviously, if she was going to fight on there, there would be matches for her. But there's n- there's nothing left unfinished. You know, she got the she got the win back against Juliana Pena. She she went out on on top here. So. Yeah, this is like the fairy tale ending. If if it is the ending, and you know, too often we see you know guys like BJ Penn or loads of guys just fight on too long, and it be it kind of it shouldn't taint their legacy, and it doesn't in my mind, but in a lot of people's mind it does. Um, and you know, hopefully, you know, hopefully Amanda Nunes can be content in her, her life outside MMA and not get the itch to come back in in a few years when, you know, when she's past her best and. Yeah people start making names off and things like that we've seen it we've seen it a lot in mma and boxing and things like that so if she can stay retired it'll be the perfect ending to a near perfect career and a record-breaking career that's as you said it's going to be hard to break her records and it's going to take it's going to take some doing and you know hopefully we hopefully for the for the future of the sport you know we have people like amanda nunez again but we we may not you know this is a this is a really high level uh well-rounded mixed martial artist with power on the feet you know submissions ability to go fiver and she has it all like you know you said it you said it there she has it all and uh, if the motivation is not there and, you, and you've kind of completed the game then yeah walk away and as she said and, and be free to enjoy the rest of her life 100 percent. and you know, uh, like we, we don't think about this but there is a lot of pressure being a champion massive. for so long and fighting the, like there's a lot of pressure on you a lot of people are rooting for you you don't want to let people down all that stuff so we've seen it with George St. Pierre and Anderson when they lost the belt. They said it was a relief to lose the belt, yeah. <laughs> you know? So yeah, I'm sure she's, uh, she's feeling a mix of emotions now, but hopefully, hopefully she can be content with a uh, life outside of fighting. Yeah. It, it did seem a relief for her as well last night. You know, she was very demanding and like cut off these gloves, <laughs> you know, like get them off. She's like, I want to get out of here. And that that's it. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, you know, as you said, it's it's very tough, and uh, we always we always struggle with that part of it. I think because uh, you know we talk to fighters, interview fighters all the time, and you see a bit of it. Like, but then you know sometimes you interview a lad even, and and after the interview he t- he tells you the truth kind of a thing, you know. And it's like, oh, jeez, well this was hard, and and like it, they're not giving out or anything. It's just the truth about it, like you know. And it's very hard to see that because people don't want to admit it to their opponents and things as well. But yeah, it's it's very very tough, and even for someone like New who's earned a lot of money and who's been at the top of the game for a long while uh, I'm sure she's had a lot of those struggles as well as the, the pressure struggles and all of that so you know hopefully she can um, 
you know, enjoy her life a bit and uh, enjoy her family and enjoy the the fruits of her labors for the next uh, for the next few years. All right, we'll uh, we'll move on. Let's talk about the co-main event and. Um, I, I call this one right, Graham. Charles Oliveira and Benil Dariu. I 20 quid and 11 to 2. Not to add 130 quid out the door. You! Fucking brilliant. Well, the first bet I put on in about six months, I won a nine closing down my account. That's the that's the only that's the only event I do. But my have you seen my Shardog Dog Flyers? I've had five weeks in a row where the Flyers have hit. Like I think it was what, plus five seven five last night, plus three hundred. I think there was a couple of plus six hundred bets in there as well. On an absolutely unbelievable run. So tune into that show if you're not watching it. But this fight. Look, it went almost exactly as as I thought. Um, Oliveira came out. Uh, throwing shots Throwing head kicks uh, Dariush did a good job Of actually pushing him Against the cage he got, uh, I don't know if it was a t- So Oliveira tried to take him down Failed on it Then Dariush was kind of Taking him down But Oliveira didn't put up Too much of a fight He kind of half pulled Guard a little bit But Dariush was You know It was like a pull guard yeah, He just kind of settled down. For the yeah, being taken down he Yeah He did yeah it was, it was a weird sort of position And they, they were both happy enough with it And Dariush was doing okay on top But <clears throat> Actually Did you see these significant strikes That they Zero showed Zero after he landed Like a really <laughs> nice shot Yeah, yeah. Loads was of, a couple them. of There was a couple of good shots But there was a, one really nice one That somehow If, if anyone ever tells you again oh these are the stats and this is why someone run around just look at that stat he uh, there was about three or four elbows from the back one of them he like nearly knocked him out with it he landed a really yeah, and we saw elbow. last week in ksw that like you can if you if you land yeah. the right shot you can do serious damage from there so yeah some like some of the punches weren't great and like the, you shouldn't be punching yeah, i'm not saying it's the best technique or anything like that but he did land with them and they were significant strikes it's like okay so is, is that the rules i knew i was before if you threw a jab and you, whatever it might be a leg kick it wasn't a significant strike but if you throw any strike from your back it's not significant now is that the case because that it has to be the case because you're not going to land many better strikes from your back than Charles Oliveira did in that. But because like I thought he was winning from that position, I really I like he was landing the better shots. There, you landed some good shots. Well. But anyway, they got back onto the feet, and I'll use the phrase again: avalanche. He just avalanched him like he literally just put on the pressure, landed a lot of shots. He I didn't see one good big shot he landed to be honest he just came with the pressure but well, the head kick kind of knocked Dariush's own kind of forearm into his head was that uh, was that just before the knockdown or was it that yeah day, yeah or? that was kind of one second before he kind of got stuck against the cage and went down okay. he threw a head kick and he kind of he actually blocked it but Benio but the forearm just kind of hit himself in the side of the head oh, his I, need own to, forearm. I need to watch that again I missed that but when, I think the biggest shots after that sequence were on the ground like when he kind of he kind of, I don't know, he didn't really knock him down, but he kind of just fell, and then he landed a hammer fist, and he landed a second one, and you're looking at Herzog, and I think Herzog was in a similar mind to, to me, and that is like, hold on, he actually hasn't landed a lot here, Let, let's give him another minute, but then Darius just wasn't defending, he was kind of doing that, hold your hands up, and you know you're getting punched defense, and it was... It, it was literally just the pressure. Like, this is the sort of display you need to do against the Manny Nunes to, to, to beat her. Like, not the exact opposite. But anyway, um, uh, yeah, Oliveira landed more around the bound, more around the bound, and eventually Jason Herzog stepped in, uh, who had an unbelievably good night uh, in the uh, in the referee's uh, uniform. Um, and he, he was st- on the accidental headbutt, wasn't he? He was, yeah, he was. We'll we talk about that in a minute. But... Uh, a, Look, a brilliant display from Charles Oliveira. Again, 
Was it the right matchmaking? Uh, probably not. You're after taking Darius out of such a long win streak, and now you're after having him lose to a guy who just got destroyed by the champion. Now, would we watch our rematch again? Sure, absolutely. But it it feels a little bit, and I don't know if you agree with this, Graham, or not, but it feels a little bit like horses for courses. Like, I think Darius is a worse matchup for Makachev than a lot of people, maybe even including Oliveira. But Oliveira is a horrendous matchup for, for Darius. So you're taking away a guy on a streak who might actually make a better fight for the champion to replace him with a guy again who already lost to the champion who's going to be a very tough matchup against him. It was a it was a good fight, a fun fight, and the, the, I'm sure the Canadian fans are probably giving out about me trying to have this fight not happen. But it just all seemed. It's one of those ones, right? It's one of those ones where you love it but you hate it at the same time. You know, like Darren Lal and Max Holloway fight. I took a very good fight, and uh, you know, I'm delighted to to have them fight. But then as well, like well, Alan, Aaron Lalan deserves a title shot. Why is this fight even happening? But. Yeah, as as this fight happened last night, I suppose that went out of your head and you just enjoyed the fight. But what, what did you think of it? Like, should we be as critical on Benil Darius as we are on Arena Aldanagram? Because yeah, um, hmm. yeah, he he didn't really he didn't perform at all. And as you said, there wasn't anything you know super clean at the end. He he just. He just kind of got overwhelmed by, as you said, the avalanche of, of Charles Oliveira. And maybe Oliveira has better power than I'm giving him credit for. And, you know, I think they were talking about Gaethje, talking about how he has kind of uncanny power. But, yeah, I think uh, Darius didn't really turn up. He, he, you know, he had the chance when he got on top and, uh, to do some real damage. And, you know, as you said, it was it was even if, if not Charles landed a better shot from the bottom. So even when he had the kind of... Uh, the small opportunity to capitalize he didn't so yeah i don't know if it was a bad night at the office or uh, the style matchup or both but um yeah um i think maybe they made the matchup because benil dariush kind of needs more kind of fanfare behind him for them to want to make that that title that title fight and if he had a beaten charles Oliveira, it probably would have given him a bit more and you know charles Oliveira has become quite popular and obviously um you know, he's been a former champion and he's in exciting fights, his finishes and there's, uh, you know, he really goes balls to the wall and things like that. So it's probably the UFC thinking that they'd prefer Charles Oliveira in a rematch than, than a fresh matchup of, of Darius versus Makachev. So probably, that was probably the thinking behind that. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know that I agree with that thinking necessarily, but like, Jesus. Do you see many people casual getting too excited for Benil Darius? If, yeah, if, he hadn't like, of, if he hadn't of, you know, if he just had a, gone straight into a title shot without fighting Oliveira, you know, if he had a beaten Oliveira, there might have been a bit more steam behind it, but... Maybe, yeah, yeah but they're going to have in this fight in like Fight Island. They're going to earn a lot of money out of it anyway. It's like, ugh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe I'm maybe I'm not cynical enough in my own. <laughs> and that's not a thing that's been said very often. This is a meritocracy. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I've always had a soft spot for Benny as well. And I don't know. It was weird. The, the closer this fight got, the more I knew he was going to lose kind of thing. I could not believe he yeah, was me and you were talking two. about the odds. We were like, "What? So are we missing something here? What's crazy. going on?" Crazy! <laughs> it was absolutely crazy, and I, it's so much so that I actually said it to a few people. I said it to a lot of people. It was on my betting show, but I said it to people in private. I was like, "Les, this this is not right." Do you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of like the odds of do you know those fights from years ago when people like didn't know who Neil Siri was, or like even you know further back than that. I remember Joe Rogan. You saw I was talking about people not knowing who Anderson Silva was, and like Chris Lieben was a favorite to be beat him or something. It reminded me of those odds, which you 
you don't really see anymore. It's like, what are people? What are people watching here? Like, you have one guy whose chin was never the, the greatest against a guy who just puts it on people early and lands these big shots. It's like, this is almost certainly going to go this way. Now, might not, it might definitely go that way, but it it did, it did, and. Yeah, the odds are I think definitely maybe, off. you know, the Charles Oliveira's striking is a bit underrated. Maybe historically he's known as, you know, a bit a bit of just a uh, one-dimensional grappler, but that's that's been years, so I don't know how I don't know how they came to the, those very close odds, but you know, happy days. <laughs> yeah, indeed, indeed. Um so yeah, look at uh, it's interesting, all right, because if you're Poria and Gaethje, uh, you're you're a, like you're a fresh matchup there for Makachev, so that fight's going to be a main event. You know, could the winner of that get the title shot over Oliveira? And like, if Darius had won this, you'd be saying like he'd be absolutely robbed blind if the winner of that got the title shot over him. Uh, would Oliveira be robbed blind now, even though he's had good results <laughs> against him? I don't know. I, I could see it happening, to be honest. I could see it happening. Uh, let's say uh, Paria seems to be a bit of a star for them. Like, if Paria did get the win, like, especially as well, if Paria did get the win, right, and they put him in against Makachev, like, we have to, uh, if we're being a little bit cynical here, you know, Conor McGregor's on his way back, and Conor McGregor and Dustin Paria have unfinished business. If you go Paria into a title shot, maybe get him the title, not uh, as unlikely as that might be. Uh, you know, you could bring McGregor back in there into that mix as well. I don't know if that'll play into it or not, but look, we shall uh, we shall see how it plays out in the in the next while. Uh, yeah, you know, but like in fairness for the side of Charles Oliveira, he, his only loss was the the Makachev fight since 2017 against Paul Felder. So he's been on, you know, quite the streak, and he was a champion. So from his side of things, and from from you know going out there and destroying Darius like he did, he'll be. I'd say he'd be expecting a title shot and be very disappointed if he doesn't get it. Yeah, and that's. You know, that's fair enough as well. I do like lads having to work their way back a little bit, especially when they got beaten by the champion like he did. But, you know, he beat he beat the number one contender. He beat the, the next best guy in the division at the moment. So, hard to... And before that, he beat name. Poirier, he beat Gaethje, he beat Chandler, Ferguson, you know. Yeah, he, pretty good, pretty yeah. good recent record. It is good when you beat the other two guys vying for a really, Yeah, to be fair now. So. Um, right, we'll move on. The, the red, honestly, the card was very good from from Oliveira down. I, it might even still be a contender for card of the year, although the main event was 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 very bad. But um, Mike Malat looked good. Um, it was funny as they were fighting. I was thinking like, oh, him versus Ian Gary is a fight that'll probably happen down the line. And I think like in the questions, maybe three people said it to me. <laughs> Mike Malat versus Ian Gary. It was funny. I don't know why. Maybe it's because they they're kind of similarly well built and similarly kind of athletic looking and move well but um anyway i was very impressed with him he beat uh, adam fugas ended up choking him you know it was the all kind of knockdown and and uh and submission so he looked good throughout that um then he get just completely outclassed nate landwehr and this is another one called pretty uh pretty straightforward i i actually like i i did the, the bench show i gave he get to win by decision on it and about two minutes in i was like oh god i don't know is that the best bet in the world i thought he was going to finish him because he like we see levels sometimes in the ufc and the matchmakers are generally quite good at putting uh, two people of the same level together but this was not one level or two levels of a difference this was a big difference, like Ige, I think Ige's a little bit underrated as a fighter, and I think Landwehr is massively overrated as a fighter, if I'm being honest, and uh, it really showed Ige just, like, tore him apart. Also, a very good fight, I know I'm not allowed to talk about judging anymore, Graham, but, um, 
a very good fight for Sean, the difference between impact and damage. Because Ige's face, you know, it was cut open and it was, uh, you know, in three or four different places. And Landwehr really didn't have any cuts or any damage. But the impact of Ige's strikes knocking him down and hurting him and all that were way more than Landwehr's. And he lost, uh, I, I, did, I think he lost all three rounds, didn't he? And lost the unanimous decision anyway. So uh, that's a, a good judging lesson there, although I'm not allowed to give him any more, apparently. Um, Marc-Andre Barriol, then another, another close fight again. Good judging, I thought, here. Um, the first round especially was very, very close. Anders did land a couple of good shots, but Barriol was kind of winning before that. It was, it was a, you know... No, okay. I, I was saying a good fight there. Actually, take that back. It wasn't. It wasn't a great fight. It was. It was a good contest, maybe if you want to put it that way. The, uh, the ability in it, not amazing. Uh, willing to trade a lot, and yeah. it looked like for a long time that somebody was going to get knocked out. But both guys got got hit with hard. But uh, all round, Anders just he's a bit one dimensional, and um, maybe you could give him the second round. But I don't think that he won that fight. Although the round, the rounds weren't super like you know definitive or anything but i think the third round and the first round were pretty clear yeah indeed um then we had the uh the head clash that we talked about earlier on um imava versus cartis very unfortunate because i i thought imavov looked really good in this uh, he was you know, light years as well. Uh, another one for level short, I think, against uh, above Chris Curtis. He was just winning in all areas. And then there was a nasty head clash again. Jason Herzog, he did really, really well here. Uh, like, it looked... It was it was one of those weird ones, Graham. I don't know if you thought the same, but it looked like Curtis's eye was absolutely swelling up. And maybe it was just the angle, but the the, uh, the doctor came in. He allowed him to uh, wipe a bit of blood out of it. Maybe getting a bit of blood out helped or something like that because they showed again in, like, his eye was, was pretty much open, but... He had a nasty cut, and then Chris Curtis said twice, "Oh my!" First of all, he said, "My vision is blurred." I think, and then he said, "I can't really see out of the eye." Like, I mean, he said his vision was blurred. Herzog went to stop it, and he's like, "No, no, no, no!" And he's like, "Give me another minute." And Herzog, "Okay, I'll give you another minute." So Herzog knew from that, and I fully believe this, right? Herzog knew from that point he was going to stop the fight, right? And he didn't. He just wanted to be a little bit respectful of Chris Curtis. Gave him another opportunity, but when Curtis said it again, he made look. He made Herzog's job easy in the end, and he ended up uh, he ended up stopping the fight. But look, a great job by Jason Herzog. He 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 did the right thing. He was going to do the right thing from the very start, uh, but he just gave a bit of respect to Chris Curtis, which in that job you need to do. You really, really do need to do it. And um, fair fair play to him for doing that. Any controversy there, Graham? That I think it was the, the right thing was done. Would you agree? Yeah, I think so. I think you know, obviously, it's unfortunate when they clash heads, but it wasn't. It was maybe a little bit more one fault than the other, but it's hard to judge. And both guys clashed heads. It wasn't intentional. It's just just an unfortunate thing that's going to happen from time to time in MMA. And uh, yeah, I think the no contest was correct, um, but it's, it's obviously disappointing for both guys. Uh, Obviously, a lot of these guys rely on, or not rely on, but it would be a big help to them to get their win bonuses, and neither guy is getting a win bonus here, so that'll be disappointing, but at least, you know, there's there's no more losses on their record, and they can kind of either make the fight again or, or move on um, relatively soon. Yeah, yeah, that'll be... Uh, <laughs> I think if you're Chris Curtis, you're probably like... Let's let's give me a different fight. <laughs> you know, I'm like, do I want this rematch? Mm, probably not. Let's let's move on to something else. But yeah, look, unfortunate. But what can you do? I suppose at that stage. Um, 
Miranda Maverick versus Jasmine Jazdavicius was next in. Uh, I think people were lauding this as some great fight. Oh, God, it was pretty poor quality. Like, fair play to Jazdavicius. She just... There was a lot, actually, there was a lot of this on it. And funnily enough, the one fight we needed it for, we didn't get it at the main event. But she, the avalanche, you know, she was the avalanche here again. And she just absolutely smothered Miranda Maverick and won the fight. But God almighty, there was a one, <laughs> one set where she went... Uh, it was worse than Frank Edgar, but she must have thrown 30 strikes in like a combination and I'd say 28 of them didn't land <laughs> and they were like oh my god she's landing these big strikes it was absolutely nothing landing and she was just throwing and throwing but like sometimes you need to do that like I always say it uh, well not always but recently said it with um, uh, Marab like him just going for takedowns re- it's even if he does nothing with him it really changes the fight. And I think, you know, that happened here kind of with Jazz the But anyway, not a classic. A good, a fun fight. A fun fight, but it was it the most uh, technical fight in the world? Absolutely not. Uh, Eamon Zahabi then got a beautiful left hook finish. Um, I saw some people... Just were, himself and then had to, had to follow up. But it, rightly so, because, like, the fight wasn't over. Uh, Outer Lang moved. He, like, he got to his hip and then, okay, maybe it would have been finished anyway because I'd say he was in uh, a bad way. But I, I think the referee did a good job as well there, to be honest, uh, not uh, not stopping that because he was still fighting. He wasn't completely out. So, But anyway, he did land one more shot and then the referee did stop it, so there's no problem there. Uh, Kyle Nelson beat Blake Builder. Uh just again, uh, Builder too wet behind the ears. Um, was coming in there throwing like when he started throwing those wheel kicks at the end. I was like, oh god almighty, this guy should this guy even be in the UFC? It felt like a one forty five. Like you're one forty five pounds. Paul Hughes is not in the UFC, and this guy is like, what is happening here? Like Jesus Christ almighty, who's signing these these guys? You know what? I I, I thought it was weird, but Kyle Nelson. Like, Paul Hughes would destroy Kyle Nelson just handily, like, really handily. But he got the win here, and he deserved it, because Blake Builder is, yeah, not great. Uh, who one who, person who is very good, though, Steve Ersig. I thought he was tremendous against David Dvorak. This was a high-level fight in the flyweight division. Uh, I was very, very impressed by it, a back-and-forth type of fight. Uh, but Ersig, I, I thought, was the, the worthy winner, and he's definitely one to keep an eye on, because Dvorak was ranked, uh, I think, in the top, I think he was 10th, maybe, in that division. So will be in the rankings now and there's a uh, you know he's a guy who's only one fight in the UFC and I think a lot of people will probably be wanting to avoid him for the way he fought there but very uh, yeah, and he didn't have it all his own his own way no. in the first round and kind of overcome adversity and kind of adapt and, and take over the fight is, is good to see in, in kind of a relatively inexperienced uh, fighter yeah indeed and then we had Diana Belbicha beating Maria Oliveira uh, via unanimous decision as well you know a, a relatively close fight but I, I think Belbita was kind of maybe one or two steps ahead for the for the whole fight but uh, yeah that was the that was the card we'll uh We'll move on, but we'll also stay at the women's 115-pound division because there's big news uh, for Irish MMA. We have another fighter in the UFC, Sean Bannon, uh, out of uh, Paddy Houlihan's gym, uh, has signed for the UFC. Um, we we attempted to break the news, but we, we couldn't get it done. But we did break the news of the fight. She's fighting Bruno Brazil at UFC London. Um, that is official. And it's it's absolutely fantastic for for Shauna Bannon. You know, I think Chris Fields put it up that um, she's the first fighter in the UFC to be uh, Irish fighter 
with an Irish coach to be who also fought in the UFC to fight in the UFC herself. So absolutely brilliant. You know, if people don't know Shauna, she's like the, the only bad thing you could say about this is is it a little bit too early because she's only five fights into her career. She hasn't been fighting that long, but like there's clear talent there. She only made her debut in, uh, in around this time last year. The, um, against Kerry Isom on uh, on Cage Legacy and you know she's had three Cage Legacy fights two fights in Invicta and look she she came through she, she was on the amateur scene though for a while had a lot of experience and was on a you know a streak there and over at the IMAFs and all that stuff so she might have a little bit more experience than you might initially think looking at a 5-0 and pro record Indeed, but also she made her amateur debut in 2019, so not, not, not too long. I Actually, a few weeks ago, I watched her fight against Dakota Decheva, um, who is killing it in PFL at the moment, but is, is fighting up, obviously, a weight class above her. And honestly, that fight was a lot closer than maybe people might remember. That was a very good fight, a very competitive fight. And, uh, you know, that was that was the last fight she lost. She's been on, uh, what, a 10-11 a, a fight win streak since that amateur and pro Plus, she had a baby in the middle of all of that. So, absolutely phenomenal. Ian has done some great interviews with her. I know he's going to have her on again, and I'll probably have her on myself maybe t- towards uh, closer to the fight as well to discuss it. But it's great for Irish MMA because we are at a time now where we have a lot of fighters who are ready. We have a lot of fighters who are right there on the cusp. And, not, you know, she's not the only one in that division. It's, it's funny because, you know, Danny McCormick is the champion in Invicta. And Sean Bannon was maybe the number one contender. But Sean Bannon got signed first. And it just goes to show right, as well. It's good. it's good they didn't fight, no? It would have yeah. backtracked or would have set back one of them. And That's true. maybe, you know, yeah. Danny might get another win in Invicta and she might be joining Sean um, Bannon in the UFC. That's so. true. Yeah, and that's kind of what the way we said it as well. I think so. Maybe maybe we're we're, we're not we're not so stupid after all, Graham. Maybe, but it, uh, even a broken clock, you know. Right <laughs> that's today. it. That's it. But the UFC are looking for unbeaten people, and you know we said that a few weeks ago, and maybe people didn't believe it or whatever. But that's it. I've heard from multiple fighters now that. You know, they're they're looking for people who haven't lost. They're looking for people, um, you know, who are kind of fresh in, who they can promote as being unbeaten and all of that. And you know, it's it's interesting because I wonder will and and Sean Bannon hasn't done this. Like Sean Bannon is on the opposite of this, but I wonder will people start putting their records from early doors to a place where they're fighting people who maybe don't deserve to be fighting them, and they can beat them. You know, so that, so that they can get to that level, so they can get an unbeaten and low do it like boxing or whatever. Like you know, you look at Shauna's fights. She fought Kerry Isom, who's one and one. Her next two fights were three and oh, three and oh. She fought Kerry Isom again because it was on short notice and all of that. But then you know, she was in Invicta, fought someone with ten fights as well. So she definitely hasn't um, hasn't done that. So it's it's interesting it's interesting on about like how you get signed to the UFC and all of that but forget that because Shauna Ballon's talent is there for everyone to see like she uh, she came through the uh, uh, how would you say Graham and it wasn't necessarily kickboxing but like the the the, the striking uh, realms of Irish uh, martial arts um, and she did a great interview with Ian where she explained that and talked about you know her father was one of the the top trainers and he I think he got like a plaque and stuff recently for, for all he is done for the the scene and uh, then she transitioned over to MMA obviously under the tutelage of, of Paddy Hoolan and you know, in her last couple of fights, especially in Invicta, she's shown a lot of grappling ability. She's shown uh, not only takedowns, but, you know, an ability to, to scramble very well. And that's always the worry when you have someone who comes over from striking. But she's looked good. And, like, 
Sean and, and the a, best thing about it is she's looked mm-hmm. uh, much improved in between fights. Yes. And obviously, you know, uh, she's young in her career. She's she's kind of uh, becoming more comfortable in there and stuff and getting more experience. And, you know, everything's gone kind of perfectly for her. She's She's got the minutes in the cage. She, she hasn't had it all her own way. She's, she's going in there against a more experienced girl, but somebody who she, she has the abilities to beat in, in, in like uh, multiple methods, like, you know, she could finish her, she could go to a decision. Um, yeah, obviously, when you're five and out, there's still a lot of questions uh, to be answered. But I think there's uh, plenty of, of girls in that division that Shauna matches up nicely against. So uh, I saw some people maybe, you know, on social media saying, oh, she, she shouldn't be here or things like that. But uh, I think they must have not seen her, her development throughout from fight to fight. And uh, I'd expect her to come in even better, a lot, uh, much better than we've seen her before, even even in the recent Invicta fight when she makes her UFC debut. And obviously it's a bigger show and it's a, it's a more experienced fighter, but it's in London. She probably have a good support behind her. It, it, it's definitely going to be a bit of a different feeling for her, but you know, she's taken everything in her stride. As you mentioned, she she had a baby in between all of this, uh, all of this um, uh, madness, quick, all of these, <laughs> oh yeah, all this madness and, and regular fights and you know turning pro and all that stuff. So she's she seems well able to take things in her stride. And as you mentioned, Paddy Houlihan, Jim, a striker going to like a uh, predominantly jiu-jitsu, um minded coach seems to have worked out perfectly so yeah in my opinion it makes sense for her to sign now i know maybe you know you could say another fight or two but with the with the, with looking at the roster that the ufc have i see i see some very nice matchups for her there yeah 100 plus as well like in her in the interview she talked uh with ian before she signed for invicta last year you know she said straight out there was a lot of people who wanted to sign me and I know for a fact there was and I think she might have made the right decision going to Invicta but if you think about it as well like if you're the UFC do you want to let her sign for someone else whether it's you know is it Bellator or is it whoever it might be you know you're, pro- you're probably thinking oh, well I've, we've lost out in a few other fighters but do we want to lose out in another one and I think you know they probably maybe even pushed it more than anything else so Shauna was she was a wanted woman <laughs> let's say and uh she, I got the opportunity and she took it, and you, you can't, uh, you can't complain about that. I also saw, you know, a few people as because uh, I put up the post, obviously, and a lot of people replying were like, oh, you know, it always happens. Like it happened to Ian Gary as well. Like the second he signs for the UFC, the negativity starts coming. But also, it happened on the same day that George Harduk was announced for the Dana White Contender Series. And people have to remember as well, if you look at the the women's one fifteen pound division, like how many fighters actually are there in that division, like. 30 maybe 40 if you look at the men's lightweight division there's probably like 140 or 150 or something like that uh, it's going to be tougher to get signed to that division without a shadow of a doubt if you're a good fighter a woman's one, 115 or you know at men's heavyweight or something like that. it's going or men's light heavyweight it's going to be easier for you to get signed than it is for Paul Hughes it's like comparing um, apples and oranges really like, you know, divisions are separate from each other like, yes, it's it's just it's ridiculous. Men's lightweight or men's whatever has nothing to do with yeah. women's. Like you know, when, when I look at the fight there and I saw a 145er and like, how's this guy in there and Paul Hughes isn't? That's a fair comparison. But if I look and say, oh, how is Juliana Pena in the UFC and Paul Hughes isn't? That's, well, that's not a fair comparison. Or how's, uh, you know, some fat heavyweight? Like, <laughs> it's, like it's, not, it's just not a fair comparison. Of, of course it's not. But anyway. Um, it's brilliant to see someone else Irish in the, in the UFC. And as I said again, there's a lot of people on the precipice. You know, the, the tree cage warrior champions that we have at the moment. Uh, Reese McKee, you know, well-earned. Paul Hughes, well-earned. Caelan Lockhart, you know, what did I just say a few minutes ago? 
they're looking for unbeaten fighters they're looking for people who finish people like someone said to me recently like Kalen might be signed before any of them you know because of that because he's unbeaten because he has the finishing streak and uh, it seems to be going that way so so let's see um Let's see how it goes, and it's great though. It's great that there's another Irish person, and we we'll, obviously we'll talk a lot more about that fight uh, before it comes up. It's what just about uh, five weeks away, so cannot wait for that. Absolutely fantastic, and fair play to Shauna and Paddy Hoolan and uh, and the whole team. So well well earned. Um, let's move on. Let's talk another bit of, of Irish MMA Graham and the big scene because Bellator two nine seven, a fantastic card next week. Uh, their card of the year, absolutely brilliant. And we have two Irish fighters on it. Karen Moore is fighting Alex Polizzi <clears throat> in what could be a number one contender fight. Because if you look at this uh, card, okay, in the main event, we have Nimkov against Romero for the 205 pound belt. But then we have Corey Anderson versus Phil Davis also on the card. Now, both Corey Anderson and Phil Davis have respectively fought Romero and Nimkov. So depending on how those two results go, let's say if one lad wins and then Anderson or Davis, they've already beaten him, well, they'll be looking for someone else then maybe. And if you're Carl Moore and you put on a, a very good display against Alex Palizzi and maybe knock him out, well, you're suddenly moving into the top five in that division. You're on a great run. They've beaten the lads in front of you. Like, who's going to be next? There's a big Irish card coming up. There's another Irish card coming up in February. And uh, look, Bellator, you can never trust them to not be foolish, but I think it'll probably be foolish not to do that if he puts himself in that position. What an opportunity. Big opportunity for Carl Moore, Graham, isn't it? It's very exciting. Yeah, it's, it's a huge fight, and it's actually a really interesting fight. You know, this could go a lot of ways. Two big, powerful guys, two guys who can put people away on their feet and can submit people. You know, two guys who can go to distance as well. This this one's a very, very difficult one to 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 pick, in my opinion. Like I'd probably I'd probably lean towards Carl. You know, he's he's been knocking off that dust and kinda he'd been out for a while, injuries and stuff like that, and getting his timing back and stuff like that. So maybe it'll come at a good time for him. But you know, uh Polisi's is 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 lost to Yo Romero. Uh, you know, you can kinda nearly write that off like Yo Romero. Um well, not write it off, but you can it's, you can understand it, um, and you know m- maybe that'll play into his mind getting getting knocked down the last one. Maybe that'll be an advantage to Carl Moore, who has who has big power in his hands as well. If he can stun him early, maybe maybe you know he, uh, Alex won't be as um, confident as he would have been if he wasn't coming off a KO loss. And obviously Carl getting in there, getting wins. Um, you know, obviously in the in the in the in the gym is one thing, but getting in the cage and getting that feeling back after being out for so long, I think is important. And he's looked phenomenal since he's come back. Really, like you know, they haven't given him easy matchups. They haven't really placed him in you know big spots on the card or anything. But he's he's getting the results. And yeah, it's it's a difficult one to pick. But I I, I I'd edge towards Carl. But yeah, this is this is a this is a big fight. And if he wins this, as you said, he's definitely he definitely has to must be into title contention. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. And, you know, as you said there, a, a winnable fight, a, a tough fight, but a winnable fight. And I think, like, Carl, after his recent fights, has been pretty critical of himself, you know. And I think when <clears throat> even the people who have been watching on, and we we're also asking him questions afterwards, really have been impressed by, by what he's been doing. But if he can put all of the good parts of his last few um, outings together... 
and go, you know, go to 15 minutes or as long as it takes. You know, he's hard bet. He really is hard bet. And I, I, I'm probably leaning towards Carl here as well, if I'm being honest. But a, a very, very good fight. But when you're at 205 and you have the power to put it, these lads have, you know, anything can happen. But I'm looking forward to that one. I'm also looking forward to, to Richie Smullen. What an opportunity for Richie here. Um, he's fighting Timur Kizriev, 12-0, ranked fighter. You know, Kizriev is going to be coming in here as a big favour, I would think. But Graham, you've watched Richie down through the years uh, and he's never uh, a lad who's minded if you're uh, fighting away from home or fighting against someone who's a heavy favourite or anything like that. Richie will show up, he'll be ready and he will fucking give it to you, won't he? Like, uh, yeah. if you want one lad fighting as an underdog, it'll be Richie Smolin, wouldn't it? Yeah, he's not really buying into any bullshit or he's just keeping his head down, doing the work and, you know, doing his own thing. And I'm sure he's I'm, I'm sure like, you know, he sees this as a big opportunity. You know, he must, you know, obviously coming off um, coming coming off a win over Daniel Weichel is nothing to be sniffed at. You got, you got to respect a guy like that. So uh, I'm sure I'm sure Richie Smullen is expecting a really tough fight here. Close rounds <sighs> like it could be a very similar one to his last outing against uh, Nijelski. You know, it could be one where you're not really sure who's gonna who's gonna get the decision at the end at the end of the fight. But um, yeah, this this is a this is a tough matchup. But if he wins it, then it definitely kind of catapults him into another kind of category, and hopefully we'll see him uh, higher on cards and maybe against uh, opponents with bigger names. You know, going in there against guys like this that unheralded guys that are kind of uh, breaking through as well if you beat them maybe people think oh maybe he wasn't wasn't as good as we thought but and if you and if you lose obviously you're you're down the you're down the, the consideration in Bellator's matchmaking then so it's a huge fight for Richie and you know obviously uh, he tough is on at the moment with Lee Hammond he had a really difficult time on on the ultimate fighter wasn't trying to make weight it's I'm not exactly sure what happened his body gave up on him so you know he's he's had a hard time of it and you haven't heard him complain and he's just knuckled back down and kept kept quiet kept to himself kept working away you know you talk to anybody in SBG and um if you ask him who's who's in the gym today Richie Smullen's usually there and yeah. he's, he's working as hard as anybody else and you know that that um that leads to a lot of that leads to a lot of problems for fighters. If you can go all day, you can be uh, you can be not tired when your opponent's tired. Like a, a fight that you're losing can swing on that. We've seen it so many times. Technique go dw uh, dwindles as your as your cardio goes, and and if Richie Smullen smells blood, he's he's shown that he's willing to capitalize. He's able to capitalize. So yeah, it's it's, it's a very difficult matchup for him. You know, I, I, I wouldn't be too confident that. That this is going to be this is going to be easy for him, or this is going to be a win for him. But he, he definitely stands a chance. But yeah, this is this is this is a difficult matchup in my opinion. It is, but also like these are the sort of matchups that we wanted for the Irish fighters. And fair play to, to Bellator for putting them in there, like putting Karl Moore in against Polizzi, who is you know one of the the, the top ranked guys. Putting Richie Smullen in here against a ranked guy as well, you know, outside of Irish cards, you know, give them that opportunity. And look, if if they come up short, they come up short, but at least they've got the opportunity and it's there to be taken. If they can take it, they can go to the next level. So I'm really excited for these uh, these two fights. Uh, the rest of the card, as I said, is is very very good. Uh, well. Yeah, my guy Norbert interviewed him. A few weeks ago, if you haven't seen it, it's on the Severe May YouTube. Um, look, in my opinion, I, I think he's the best prospect in the world. I think he's he's absolutely fantastic. And he's he's meeting a good opponent here, Khalil uh, Camille Anishuk. I, I watched a few of his fights, and you know he's a good long, straight up jab hook 
straight type of fighter who can cause a lot of people problems but uh, I don't think Norbert will be one of those people to be honest and uh, I'm looking forward to, to seeing I'm looking, for, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the knockout prop on this because the odds are closer than I expected uh, for just the, the match betting or the Who are they? Betting. What are the odds? I haven't seen you. Um, I'll have to pull it up again. I saw it earlier. One sec. Yeah. It's uh, minus 250 for Norbert and Ooh. plus 175 for yeah. Camille. I don't think it should be that close. Yeah, I, I might even have a nibble on that myself with my, my winnings from, uh, from last night. But yeah, that's a good fight. Um, a big important fight at heavyweight as well. Daniel James against Gok and Sakaram. But uh, James had a great couple of wins recently. So the winner of that could be fighting for the title. Uh, as I mentioned, Anderson Davis, we know the stakes behind that and then the, the two big fights on top look we might as well talk about Nimkov and, and Romero first of all because uh, that's the, the way class we were just talking about uh, like uh, I was doing my preview recording it the other day for this Graham and like it's it's a very easy fight to analyse I think because I think what Romero will do is he will come out and he will wait and wait and wait and try to throw his big shot. And when I say easy analyze, I think easy analyze from Romero's point of view. I'm not. I'm actually not sure what Nimkov is going to do because, like, do you take the Adesanya approach and kind of wait with him and kind of throw a little few jabs, or do you take the Whitaker approach and um, go at him and try to stop the rhythm? Like, honestly, I I think he. W- uh, here's my feeling. I think he will do the Adesanya approach, but I think the Whitaker, Whitaker approach might actually benefit him a little bit more because I think it's going to be hard against you. Well, I, I honestly, I don't know. I, I really don't know on this one. You, Nimkov is the favorite, and I'm picking him, and I'm kind of picking him just because I am picking him. Really, I'm, I'm really not sure. It's, it, oh, it's a fun fight. I, I'm, I'm not. Uh, when I say fun fight, it's a fun matchup. I'm not sure it'll be the best fight in the world. How do you, is have you a clearer view on it than me, Graham? Because I really don't have a clear view on this one. I think it might be a yeah. Romero might do a lot of waiting. Maybe Nemkov will be winning until until he gets finished. That kind of <laughs> might yeah. be how it goes. You know, we've seen it with Romero. He's very patient. He's very explosive. Obviously, he's getting he's an absolute freaking nature uh, in terms of uh, his abilities on another level, especially for somebody his age. It's just ridiculous. But you know. <sighs> Yeah, I could see Nemkov maybe edging out rounds until until he gets caught with something big, and, and you know Romero's got to got to pick that time and and capitalize on it. And maybe it won't happen. Maybe it'll turn into a boring decision for for Nemkov. But uh, yeah, I saw the odds were in were were in Nemkov's favor, but I'd probably I'd probably be leaning Yo Romero here. Maybe that's a bit of that's a bit of. Um, you know, looking into his record in the past and thinking he's going to do that, and maybe at his age, there, maybe at uh, at his age, there is a point where he'll just fall off a cliff. Like forty six years old is is extremely old. You know, he certainly <laughs> he, didn't look like that in Dublin, did he? Yeah, <laughs> you know, from what we saw, it didn't look like um, it didn't look like coming soon. But at that age, you never know. You know. It, I don't know. I think Yo Romero is just a different, different breed. He, he may be forty six, but his body is like thirty. I don't know what's yeah. going on. He's genetically modified. Uh, fighting machine beast an absolute beast yeah it's, look it's I'm looking forward to it. And as I said it's one of those I'm really really not sure what's going to happen in it but uh, I'll be I'll be tuning in looking looking forward to it as I will be with uh, Sergio Pediskin's Patricio Pitbull um, Patricio trying to become a three way champion uh, look, I think the biggest thing this we can we can analyze this all we want. Like, and it's again, Pettis is a good technical striker, and he'll be going out and trying to technically strike. And Patricio is kind of a weight and plod forward. And when I say plod, I mean that in a very positive manner because he uses it extremely well. And he lands the big right hand. 
which is you know how, how will that work out I think Patricia will probably be favourite in a fight like that he's bigger and he's beating very good guys he might struggle with the speed but then again Pettis isn't the, the fastest guy at that weight class but the weight cut here is going to be the biggest issue and it always is and he wants like we saw with TJ Dillashaw getting down and he you know made the weight but he was finished after a few seconds of that fight and he talked about the struggles like is like the question is, is Patricio kind of like a Frankie Edgar who was fighting a 155 but it was always a 135 or and just came down to 145 because he came down to 145? I, I, I won't get the sense of that, I don't think, until Friday maybe, Graham. Oh, what do you think? Like, Do you think he's going to make the weight okay? Do you think he's going to be looking good at 135 and putting the same performance against Sergio as he does in, in most of his fights? What way do you see it? Like, I think if he, if he does the weight cut, uh, and all that kind of gradually over the camp and doesn't leave himself too much to do at the end and kind of, you know, it's a new experience uh, cutting down to 135 and it, it can go wrong. And if it does go wrong, you know, you can be a kind of shadow of yourself out there. You're completely drained and things like that. So that could happen. But uh, assuming he, he makes weight relatively uh, without being on death's door, uh, I think he'll have too much repetitive but yeah there definitely is that that doubt in the mind because we, we've seen guys try to go down to a weight class they've never been at before and and look terrible so that question is definitely hanging over but if, if I had if I had a free bet on it I'd be going with Pitbull me too me too um all right, let's. Uh, we need to look back at, at PFL in a second, but just quickly to look at the other cards next week. Uh, the UFC card, you know, it's it's not a terrible card. Uh, Vittorian Cannoneer in the main event. Look, we'll see how that goes. Saryukin and Joachim Silva in the co-main event. That's a good fight. My guy Christian Leroy Duncan, the former cage warriors middleweight champion, he's back against Armin Petrosian. That should be a banger. I have a soft spot for Pat Sabatini. He's fighting Lucas Almeida. And then after that, Muslim. Salikov is back. He's fighting Nicholas Dalby. That's not a that's not a bad fight. I like the look of uh, Miles Johns against Honey Barsolos. Uh, Zelas Magulov is back here again, who puts on some fun fights. And Modestus Blakowskis is also on the card against Zach Powiga. So uh, if you're a, a Cage Warriors fan, you have a couple of former champions there. So yeah, that's actually it's not a bad card. It's not a bad card, and we will look forward to that. Just before we get to last week's PFL card, next week's PFL card, I think this Ante Delia versus Maurice Green fight is actually like a massive fight for them because like they should they should really be promoting this highly because like you should be promoting this as as Francis Ngannou's next opponent possibly here like whoever wins because if Ante Delia is obviously the champion from last year if he goes in and he wins here he might be the favorite to fight Francis they kind of they have been saying that now I'd say maybe they'll be hoping to get a bigger name possibly but Ante Delia is a very good fighter I know a lot of people don't know him and you know I've been covering those uh, fights for the last uh, couple of years but he's a very good fighter and um they, uh, they probably should be promoting this well. But anyway, uh, Larissa Pacheco is also on the card as well. Uh, Baggio Ali Walsh is uh, is on the card. I think he's making his pro debut here. He is the grandson of Muhammad Ali. So, yeah, and, um, you know, there, there's some other good fights as well. Hinan Ferreira against Matias Sheffield. Aspen Ladd is on the card. Dennis Golsov, the former uh, champion, is on the card as well. So not a bad one there at all. Um... But PFL 4 that went down uh, on Thursday night, you know, another card that was uh, long and drawn out, but it wasn't wasn't a bad card at all. Uh, Abby Montes, who beat um, Clarissa Shields, got a, a good ground and pound win. Andrew Sanchez won the split decision. Imbic Sanganai got the submission of an arm choke. Uh, Chris Wade looked very good against my guy, Roy Gikudo, and won there. 
Flores and Spawn had a terrible fight. Um, Marlon Morris again. I don't know if you saw this or not, Graham, but he he retired. Another retirement. Um, again, he looked good. He looked good for the first ninety seconds. And he got hit just once. Just not the chin. And yeah. just... Just been going on for years. Like really Yeah, unlike. it must be so frustrating. Because you can understand it, right? When people get to the end of their career and they're slow and their knees are gone and their back is gone and they can't move and they're, you know, they're not the same fighter they were. Marlon Morris is not that like. He's just not. He, he still is athletic. He still can move. He's still fast. He can still hit. But his chin is just absolutely gone. Just gone, and when he gets touching at once, he just wobbles. It's like, oh, it's, so, it's sad to watch. Like, and I, I mean, like, I mean, genuinely sad. It must be so frustrating for him, who's still a young guy, and he knows he can still do it. Like, but oh god, it's it's it was very unfortunate. You know, he got hammer fisted, knocked out again. You know, good win for Gabriel Braga, who looks. Uh, you know, I watched a few of these fights coming in. I, I was both impressed and not impressed at the same time, but he is only 11 fights into his career and a guy who has a lot of plus points and, you know, he could do damage in, in this now going forward, but we, we'll, we'll see on that. But look, Marlon Marais, another guy maybe we can look back on in the um, uh, in the series over on Patreon in, in, in time to come. Um, Joshua Silvera then uh, got the win over Delamonte with uh, a knee injury for Delamonte on a takedown. Very hard to see exactly what happened here. It looked like he kind of just twisted his foot and then, it, you know, when the foot twists, the knee twists, Graham, you're probably sitting there with a, a broken AC or a torn ACL at the moment. You probably don't want to see this, so we'll, we'll move on and not talk about that. But uh, Bubba Jenkins, Bubba Jenkins, Bubba Jenkins is a bad man, and on Thursday night he wasn't losing this. I'm telling you, he just went out there, destroyed um, Sung Bin Jo, uh, got the rear naked choke in the first round, looked very, very good. Uh, Martin Hamlet got the United decision over Sam Kane. Not, not a great one. Uh, very good fight, though, between Mavlid Kabobailov and Tyler Diamond. Like, Tyler Diamond was doing very well for the first four and a half minutes of this. Uh, stopping the takedowns, you know, half, didn't get a takedown of his own, but kind of half pushing him against the cage and landing a few shots. I was like, ooh, okay, let's see how this will go. And then bang, flying E at the end of the first round. Uh, Diamond was almost finished, came out for the second round, and Kababulov took him down, and that was it. You know, it, it took him another four minutes to get the, the finish, but... At that point, and Diamond actually did a really good job of scrambling from the takedown and almost got up, almost got up, almost got up, and then didn't get up, and then was in the guard, and from that point, it was it was all over. But um, I think he was a plus 550 underdog, and like I didn't think he was, and I think he proved he wasn't, but still, he did get finished in the second round. Um, and in the main event, upset of the year type of contender, Brendan Lachnan, knocked out by Jesus uh, Pinedo. Uh, if you didn't see it, they kind of went into a clinch. Pinedo threw a knee up through the middle, rocked Lachnan and finished him with a few hammer fists on the ground. Um, it was a bit of a weird fight um, yeah. because they were both kind of switching stances. They were both kind of out of a rhythm and catching each other out of a rhythm and Pineda was kind of catching Lachnan. Do you know what? It was, it was a, I haven't watched a good bit of Pineda before and obviously watched probably all of Brendan Lachnan's fights at this stage throughout his career. It was a more, it only went to what, 94 seconds, but it was more of a Pineda fight than it was a Lachnan fight because Pineda kind of wants this, not necessarily madness, but like, um, unencumbered type of violence, maybe if you want to put it like that. Whereas Lachnan likes to control the fight. When there's no control for anyone, Pineda, that's when he comes 
comes to light and he did that exactly here and he dealt with it better and lockdown a fellow was kind of still settling and trying to settle into his game and he got caught by Pinedo and like you know, it was one of those ones, if you're Pinedo, you wanted to catch him. And if you're like, you're like, oh, well, I just got caught. You know, it was a kind of an easily explained type of one. He did get caught, but take nothing away from uh, Pinedo. It was very I, good. I actually think there was like a, a, a kind of straight left uh, shot yeah. from Pinedo. He was definitely dealing the, better with it. I 100%. And, like he, he, and he, he kind of disrupted um Loch he kind of looked a bit uh he looked a bit frazzled from it and that kind of what led to the finish I thought yeah, I thought I agree I, yeah so I thought it was uh, that was kind of missed on the commentary but um yeah I think obviously the the knee and the, it was a spectacular finish we were like you know Pena did everything he looked look, Pena looked brilliant you know it was a huge win for him against Loch a big big shot big cover behind he did everything right but for Loch I think I think he got hurt more from that punch than maybe it looked or maybe then a punch like that usually would hurt maybe it landed in like the temple or the jaw it was it was hard to see but it definitely affected him more than um more than uh, initially you would you would have expected so i think yeah i think just from that moment on it was a bit he was a bit out of his game and he was trying to maybe grab a hold and buy himself some time and obviously got finished in the process so uh yeah you can't take anything away from Pinedo. i think you know Obviously, Lockdown will be disappointed, but he'll be back. You know, um, it wasn't like he got completely, you know, beaten so badly that you know, like he's not going to be, he's not going to be the same again. I think it was more he got caught and tried to recover, and while he was trying to recover, he got caught with more big shots and put away. So, yeah, it's it's disappointing for Brandon, obviously, but a huge win for Pinedo, absolutely massive for him, and um, it probably you know uh, PFL, obviously. They they seem to really like Brendan Lockname, but for for the tournament, maybe it is good for PFL to have a, a kind of a new contender. And obviously, they had a lot of problems with this card. Loads of people failed drug tests, and they had to kind of mix it around and pull it together. But they they did a pretty good job, in my opinion. But yeah, I, I definitely feel a little bit bad for for Brendan Lockname and watching his career for a long time and and things like that. But you know, it's MMA. Everybody gets caught sooner or later if you're fighting as regularly as as Brendan is. A hundred percent. And I, I think. I think you call it right. It was maybe a little bit unfair on Pineda. Like, he definitely did deal with how the fight was going much better than Lachlan and was catching him even before it. So, I, I wouldn't say it was a lucky knee or anything like that. But if you're, as I said, if you're Lachlan, you can you can maybe look at it that way. It's like, oh, if I had settled, it wouldn't have happened kind of thing. But, you know, that's the way the cookie crumbles and that's the way MMA is. But, like, I think you're... It could be a blessing in disguise for PFL in, in, in a, a few ways... I think, like, this Ireland card that's coming up in December, what is it, six months away, that'll be ample time, I think, for Lachnan to recover and come back. I think him on that card now makes a lot of sense because, obviously, people in the tournament can't be on that. Now he's not in the tournament anymore. You know, he didn't qualify for the last four. Um, I, I, I think he should probably be on that, on that card and, you know, find an opponent. Any good, any good Irish 145ers out there, Graham, who could fight Brendan Lachnan, I wonder? Is is I I think I maybe but might be able to come up with one or two but <laughs> let's see let's see and um yeah that should be a you know they need some for that card you know they they really really do and obviously the the European series is still going and all but there aren't that many big names out there and Irish big names who are not signed to them we have friends and 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 uh, a couple of the other lads but uh you know I think they're going to need a little bit more to sell tickets on that one and maybe Lachlan could be that but anyway um. Right, we leave it there. That's it for the podcast. I need to go and watch Limerick uh, against Claire. God Almighty, pray for me. Pray for me, Graham. I, I need this. I need this. So we'll, uh, we'll let you go there. Graham, see us out with the uh, 
the quote for the week. Go on, tell us. Take a look in my face for the last time. I never knew you. You never knew me. Say hello, goodbye. Can't beat a bit of David Gray, can you? All right, we leave it there, lads. Good luck. See ya.